0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. When we're triggered, you know, we feel like it's somebody else's fault that we get triggered. You make me angry, you make me sad, you make me this, you know, right? But every time you say that, you're actually giving the other person power, you're giving the other person control, you're making yourself a victim, right because your triggers are your responsibility your your anger is your responsibility it's not somebody else's so the big questions are these how can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives in our career in our businesses in our relationships and even with ourselves for our own self-worth in other words what if you could win every time and have no losers Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm so excited today. We're going to be talking about secrets. Who doesn't love a secret, right? I mean, you hear the word secret and you're like, hmm. But today it's really, really special for me because I get to talk to an old friend, somebody I've known for a while now, and I just absolutely love her. I, I'm. We're going to be talking to my dear friend, Gretchen Heido. Gretchen is absolutely amazing. She is a brilliant coach and she is absolutely amazing. I mean, she has the highest designation of master certified coach through the International Coaching Federation. She's an author, a keynote speaker, a trainer. She is one of the top coaches, she says in LA, I think in the world, Um, she's guiding individuals in organizations, high level transformations. And she's got this amazing 10 stage secret breaking system. And we're going to be talking all about that. And she's got a brand new book coming out, Break Free from Your Dirty Little Secrets, A New You in 10 secret breaking stages. And we're going to be talking all about that today. So welcome, Gretchen.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It is so fun to be here with you. And I'm really looking forward to the discussion today. Yeah. So we met a few
0: years ago, several years ago when I first came out to LA and I was like, hmm, you know, I would like to Coach people. And so maybe I should just get this life coaching certification just because it'd be interesting to actually learn how to do that. Even though I was already an attorney and have been an attorney for a long time, it'd be kind of fun to actually learn what it would be to be a life coach. And you were my coach, my, my teacher when I did that. So that was pretty fun.
1: And it's so interesting how the paths kind of come, they intersect, we do other things, but it's always a delight to be able to talk to people that I've had the privilege to be able to teach on that path and then to see what they're up to as well.
0: Yeah, so I want to know, you've got this brand new book all about secrets, but I want to know what prompted you to do
1: this. I mean, what are your secrets? Tell us. Right? Okay, so it's a great question of what prompted me to do this. Um, On my path as a coach, I really knew that I would write a book, and I'd been helping a lot of different women, men too, but women as well that had a lot of shame and guilt. And the shame and guilt was either coming from the ways that they thought, which were secrets or actions that they'd taken, which were secrets. And I looked at my own secrets that i had had in the past. And I thought, you know, someone needs to create a system on how to help people break free from their secrets. And it's exactly what you said about the word secrets. You know, it's like, Ooh, what's going on there. And I thought we really need to deconstruct that. And I wanted to make it something accessible.
0: Yeah. So, but I, you didn't answer my question. What are your secrets? My secrets.
1: Well, so here's the deal. You know, as I was writing the book, I had already worked through, so I don't have many of my own, but here's what prompted it. My big secret, the one that I am known for, the one that when people have me come and speak, they want to hear about was my secret of violence. I was a woman who could have rage show up like that, And it felt very, very shameful. I'm pretty put together, have it kind of going on, or at least you would think so. And at the time, I couldn't get my feelings in check. And so the way that I would get them in check is by becoming either um, violent in my words or violent with my hands with others. And that was a big secret. Who wants to say that that's their secret? And what I found was I I really was lucky to be mentored by women who told me about their own secrets and the different things that they had done to get to the other side. And I was at a point of willingness where I knew that I could not go on living in that way for one more minute.
0: Mm. Oh, that is so cool that you are willing to share that. Thank you for sharing that and being willing to talk about that. And when did you, uh, you know, first of all, I want to say this. I watched an interview with a, a brain doctor, a neuroscientist, and he was talking about how the biggest thing that we can learn as human beings is the most important skill he felt that we could learn as human beings. Out of everything is emotional mastery. And I agree with that. Yeah. And it's so hard, like to get real control of our emotions, you know, because when we're triggered, you know, we feel like it's somebody else's fault that we get triggered. You make me angry. You make me sad. You make me this, you know, right? But every time you say that, you're actually giving the other person power, you're giving the other person control, you're making yourself a victim right? Because your triggers are your responsibility. Your your anger is your responsibility. It's not somebody else's. And so I would like to know when you noticed that it was your responsibility and not somebody else's.
1: You know, I was 25. So when this When the violence occurred for the last time, I found myself in a church with my husband feeling abandoned and I had a broken leg broken foot at the time. He went upstairs to go see our uh, church group and I was downstairs and I felt like I did when I was a little girl and my parents got a divorce and my dad had left. And you know, it's interesting because in that moment, that's when the out of control feeling came And When he came back downstairs, I lunched at him in this church that has thousands of people it's not a small church and really I was out of my mind and that's when i knew not that day but days later when you're coming down from the big adrenaline that those feelings lived in me regardless of the actions that anyone else was taking. They were my responsibility, but I had no idea what to do about it. And I knew that my old coping mechanisms of intimidation, being quick-witted, all of those different things no longer served me. And that even though I was so uncomfortable and so afraid, I didn't know what to replace those old ways of being with, but I needed to find out. Mm, It's
0: so interesting because I just finished my book, which is coming out this year, um, uh, about narcissists. And one of the things that is in my book, which you you haven't had a chance to look at yet because nobody has, is that I did all this research about the narcissist's brain. And uh, one of the things I learned is that narcissists Become narcissists because they're exposed to trauma on a regular basis as children, and when as children they were exposed to this continuous trauma, there that fight flight mechanism was in place, and because of that, their brains were bathed in the, those chemicals, you know, cortisol, epinephrine, all of that that happens during the fight and flight, you know, fight or flight. Um, Mechanism. And when that happens, it, it caused arrested development because there was an emotional, you know, re- retardation that happened. Right. And so the limbic system of the brain then becomes, you know, the, there's arrested development there. And so what happens with narcissists is that when they're presented with stimuli, then down the road, where they feel slighted or they feel abandoned or they feel exposed or they feel that, you know, that happens, that limbic system part of the brain then becomes triggered and then narcissistic rage or narcissistic injury takes over and they can't control themselves. And, you know, so that's really what's happening with narcissists. They, that, emptiness inside of them but the fact that you were able to notice it and correct it and have that self awareness and gain mastery over it is so powerful
1: i really felt like it was powerful too you know so and here's here's the part with that what what you're talking about with narcissism You're right. It is based in the trauma. And as humans, there's many choices that we have along the way. And there does come a decision point, a breaking point where we are faced with our own behavior. And we're either too stunted to take action and become like you're saying, narcissist, sociopath, whatever those things may be. And we're depressed we are sick in our minds, sick in our bodies, or we see an opening, however small it is, and we're willing to take a look at that. And, you know, to your point about the um trauma, one of the stages in my book is really about taking a look at your childhood wiring and where did the wires get crossed, where different, messages were given to you that don't really mean what they mean. And what I mean by that, like for us, violence equaled love. Our parents were never violent with us, but my parents got divorced pretty young. One time a boyfriend came over of my mom's. I called my dad and he came over with a hatchet. And I don't know about the rest of the people listening, but I love a man with a hatchet that's going to come and handle something, whatever that might be but my wiring was wrong. So violence equaling love became a message. So I would create many violent scenarios to make sure that the person loved me. It's not right and it makes no sense, but it's all there in our childhood wiring and everyone has their loop that we are invited to over and over take a look at if only we will. Mm,
0: Yeah, but it it takes a choice to be self-aware and want to redo that wiring.
1: And I think before the choice comes a deep surrender. You know, most choices to this level are never the kind, at least for me and the women that I've worked with, where we wake up in the morning and think, hmm, today's the day. Instead, it's after some terrible, dramatic, painful event that has happened, me in that church being violent, whatever it is for somebody else, where you think i can't do this one more day i don't know what else i'm going to do but i know it can't be this
0: yeah and and i think maybe it's it's losing someone or something or being exposed or some you know some hitting bottom in some way maybe or something yes you know
1: yeah always the hitting bottom
0: yeah and and you know i think that it's always rooted in some sort of shame, right? And we
1: all carry it in some way. We all do. I've never met anyone who doesn't have something that feels shameful, either that was done to them or that they participated in. And I know for me, a lot of my shame came from my feelings and feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like we were really poor. You know, my parents grew up with some drug addiction and alcoholism. And so some of the things that went on because of that, the jail time, the police that were at the house, I felt ashamed of. And when we feel ashamed... Guilt, rage, depression, all of these sub-feelings, the lower feelings on the feeling scale show up and then we act out because of it. Absolutely.
0: I think that everybody carries some amount of shame. And, you know, I know for me, I was bullied as a kid for being Asian, you know? And I think that I desperately didn't want to be Asian, you know, as a kid because I, nobody else was when I was a kid. And so, you know, you, you, there's always something that happens that's super painful. I mean, you know, and it, there was, there sure. was um, addiction and alcohol abuse in, in my home as well, you know? And so I think that there's, there's always something that's happening for, um, for kids that, that causes that shame. And it causes that. And
1: then that becomes, 100%, that becomes part of the secret, right? So the secret for you, I don't want to be Asian. The secret for me, I don't want a dad who goes to jail. You know, whatever those are that a lot of times people think secrets are just the things that we've done. Maybe the person who got the abortion or going into debt, whatever, the violence in the church. But people know that we've done those things, at least one person. So it's a secret But really, the secret is the way we feel about ourselves and the things that we're thinking. That's the most damaging part of the secret. Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, I think a lot of times it's stories that we tell ourselves, too, that weren't even necessarily the story. You know, I mean, I have a friend who had a story that she wasn't lovable Because she remembered when she, her two sisters were sitting on her aunt's lap and she went to go sit on her aunt's lap too. And her aunt went, oh, I have too many kids on my lap. Get off. Everybody get off. And she made a decision in that moment that she wasn't lovable. And instead of thinking this person had too many kids on her lap, (laughs) you know, If you think about it as a rational adult, you would think, I'm sure that adult woman was thinking, I don't need three kids on my lap at this moment.
1: Well, right. And then for your friend, that part that for protection to never get hurt again or to feel rejected, her mind created a story. And then she probably keeps herself from some loving situations because she has now identified herself as not lovable. Right. But
0: yet that had n- makes no sense whatsoever.
1: Right. Well, no more sense than me liking men that want to come over and cause fights with people, right? Because my dad shows up with a hatchet. So my mind says ooh, violence equals love, it equals protection, it means I'm important, that makes no sense. If you're a grown adult and you didn't grow up in the same circumstances, a person coming over with a hatchet is crazy. You don't want them there, that's not normal. But we don't know, same thing with get off my lap, there's too many kids and we take it and we create these stories and that ends up defining our lives.
0: Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone.
1: Sometimes it's not even that it's toxic. It's just that it's not a good fit. And because it's not toxic, they feel like they can't leave because other people think this person's great and the person really is great. And then the secret becomes, well, what's wrong with me that I can't, that I don't want to be in a relationship with this great person. It must be something about me.
0: Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging like a narcissist or other high conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.WinMyNegotiation.com. Are you so ready to shut down that narcissist for good? I totally get it. And my brand new book is now available for pre-sale, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win. If you pre-order the book, you get tons of free gifts, including early access to the manuscript, early access to my private launch team, you get my free masterclass, and a whole complete workbook the total value of the free gifts is close to $400 so you just go to slaythebully.com to pre-order the book and then claim all your powerful trainings your mindset tools everything for free just by pre-ordering the book slaythebully.com to find out more and start learning how to shut down that narcissist for good.
1: Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life.
0: They lie about things that are readily verifiable, and they lie about things that they don't even need to lie about. And that's something that I find very puzzling and very interesting. And a lot of times they do get away with it, and I think that that's part of the reason why they do continue to do that.
1: And now we return to today's show.
0: Now let's talk about your 10 step breaking free, you know, because I want to hear more about that. What's the secret
1: for breaking free? How do you do it?
0: Yes. How do you do it? Let's talk about the 10 steps.
1: Yes. So the first part is you have to, you have to want to. You know, you can't do anything in a vacuum. You have to want to, and you have to be willing to do the work. So you've probably had that surrendered moment, or you're rubbing up against the same issue like a washing machine spin cycle time and time again. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. I'm a fraud. I don't want people to know. Many of the women who work this 10 stage secret breaking system It's not because they're down on their luck. They're usually pretty darn successful, but they want more. And so that would be your starting point. And from there, we call out the secret. We get to see, well, what is the secret? Either thought, action, or both. Then we take a look at the childhood conditioning. We look at the wiring. We look at the feelings that a person chased. I always chased safety and I always chased security, but I did it in really crazy ways that would actually get me the opposite of that. So we look at a person's own individual roadmap. And then we have to talk about God or spirituality because you're never going to be able to do this work by yourself. Universe, higher power, great outdoors, it doesn't matter. That is a piece of it, though. And we come up with your secret breaking templates so that you have it all organized. We look at who you might share your secret with so that you no longer carry the shame. And then we see now that you're going to take it to the streets and create your own ripple effect, what will you be doing if you weren't afraid of this secret anymore because you've told it, you've shared it, who do you get to be now? How does life really change? Mm,
0: Love that. I love that. And so is this something that they can do on their own, or do you work that w- walk them through it in one of your programs, you know, personally both. or yeah,
1: it's 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 both. So they can do it on their own with the book and with the companion workbook. I really um I really emphasize getting those together. You can do it with the book, it'll take you through. But the companion workbook has over 50 exercises to help you go deeper. Oh, nice. When you do this work, you really do want to make sure you have support though either a friend or a therapist or a coach, a group, something like that, because you're going to be facing yourself in different ways than you've probably ever seen yourself. That's just the truth. And so you can do it that way, or you can join a group of mine. You know, I have a a big workshop that's going to be coming up in March, and then I have a program that starts in October with a retreat. But the most important thing is just getting started.
0: Mm, Yes, definitely. Just take the step
1: take the step, just do it. Any step forward is putting you in forward momentum rather than keeping you in the same place.-hmm yeah
0: and I think for some people like their secret is that they are in a relationship that they are ashamed of, you know maybe that they're in a, a toxic relationship that they don't want people to know about.
1: And you know what else I'll even share on that? Sometimes it's not even that it's toxic. It's just that it's not a good fit. And because it's not toxic, they feel like they can't leave because other people think this person's great and the person really is great. And then the secret becomes, well, what's wrong with me that I can't, that I don't want to be in a relationship with this great person. It must be something about me. Sometimes things just aren't a good fit. Mm. And what
0: if they feel guilty about that?
1: They do. They do. Yeah, they do feel guilty about it. But it always goes back to what was the childhood wiring? What were the rules that you were given that you ended up getting your like love value from? And then what's the real rule for you today? Maybe it's not that you want to be someone with someone who works nine to five and is stable, stable, stable. Maybe you want to work with the entrepreneur who travels the world, but that was what your family said would never make money or create security. So there's a lot there to look at, but it's just noticing the feeling and starting.
0: Mm-hmm. So if people feel stuck and they're like, I just, I don't know how to start. Like, what do you tell people? Like, what what what's something that they could do like today?
1: So the thing that you can da- do today is this. Really think about three years from now, where do you want to be? Both in location, physically, mentally, emotionally. Then ask yourself the question, Would my future self thank the person that I am today for the decision that I'm making? If the answer is no, make a different decision. Or at least start noticing how many no's it is versus yeses. We all want something more. We're all made for a really great big purpose that we're supposed to do. My purpose isn't your purpose, yours isn't mine. We're similar in what we do, but it's very separate. If you don't do that thing, you rip the world off of your unique gift. So ask yourself that question. Would my future self thank me for this? And if not, can you stand in it long enough to take a new, even small, 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 different step?
0: Okay. So what would be the small step that they could do? Like, give me something concrete. Like different
1: for everybody. So let's say, let's say that for a person that they would really like to be someone that's going to travel the world on a sailboat. I actually have a client like this right now. What she keeps doing, though, is getting contract work for six months at a time that makes her stay in a certain location. It's not really something that her future self would thank her for. Her future self is ready for her to be working on that sailboat. So that's a small step. It's really thinking about what can I do today to support my future path? Sometimes it's doing research. Sometimes it's figuring out the funding. Sometimes it's finding people in your life that are going to be your cheer team. And sometimes it's just making a decision.
0: Yeah. So how do you start to uncover secrets that you don't even know that you have?
1: Mm. You. What I always tell people is this. Start with one that you know you do have because it's the easiest. What you will see is your pattern, especially as you go through the 10 stages Then go back and rinse and repeat. Your subconscious holds some things down deep to protect you. The more you let the air out of the balloon, the less pressure there's going to be and the more release your subconscious is going to allow you to have because it won't be quite as afraid. So start with the ones that you know that you have and then don't worry, more will be revealed. Mm. Do you recommend
0: things like journaling or meditating or anything like that?
1: You can journal. For some people, it's journaling, some it's meditating, some it's exercising. But the truth is, we all know that one secret that's there. And so, if you even just close your eyes and ask yourself, what's the secret? Either the secret thought that I have, or the secret deed that I've done, or the secret deed that someone has done to me. We typically know. And if you're unsure, everyone who's listening, it's even something like this. If I followed you around for 24 hours, And I was privy to every thought you had and you couldn't control it. You couldn't like change them for me. It's really what you thought. Which ones do you not want me to know? Those are secrets.
0: Mm, That's interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like careful there. Yeah, exactly. And what if you think I don't have any secrets? It's hilarious, right? And a lot of my clients come to me and they say, I don't have any secrets. But again, can I follow you around and listen to every single thing in your brain for 24 hours without you having that moment of like, ooh, I didn't really want her to know that. And not due to privacy, due to feeling shameful because I heard that that's what you thought. hmm Yeah.
0: And do you think that um, men, men don't really share their secrets at all, like as much as women do, right?
1: differently than women you know what I have found with men especially the ones who are between like 30 and 50 is they're sharing at a different pace than they ever have in the past and they're more open and for the men that I know that are willing to do the work they're really willing to do the work but it's the same with a man you have to make a decision that you can't just keep doing this churn in your in yourself anymore you're ready for change hmm
0: yeah so how long do you do, does do you think it typically takes to make the change
1: to fully make a change a concrete change it can take anywhere from 6 months to a year but to to be in the new behavior for the new behavior and belief system to be embedded and where you're not reaching for your old coping skill but you're reaching for a new one because it takes practice and repetition but to start noticing and doing the work It can 24 hours. You can begin now, and every small step leads to the next step, but it stops becoming hard and a power struggle internally six months to a year, depending on how quick someone is to process. Yeah.
0: And you feel like you are totally, fully rewired at this point.
1: Thank the Lord. Yes, it took it took a long time, though, you know, and I will say this certain situations, certain people, it can bring up old ideas. And what I get to see now is, wow, that was an interesting choice. The mind just presented and I don't have to pick it up, but given, you know, all the all the stars aligned the right way and whatever else. And I'm in a certain situation with people from the past some of that old behavior might want to creep up the good news is i've practiced it enough to know that that's no longer available to me
0: yeah you just look at it like as an observer you exactly know. yeah i i tell people that's what i tell people to do i i tell them to look at it as if like it's a ball like going past them like whizzing by like oh that was look i just saw that go by yeah uh-huh. <laughs> That was an interesting thing
1: that I just saw go by me. That, that's the one that's my, that's my favorite. It's like, huh, how interest? what an interesting option. Good thing I'm not going to take it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right there. I I, see, I saw that. Exactly. Yes. Very good. Uh, so where is your book available and the workbook and everything? Where, where can everybody find the brand new book?
1: You can find it on Amazon and you can find it on Barnes and Noble.
0: All right. So everybody needs to go check it out. And where can they find you?
1: They can find me at GretchenHido.com.
0: GretchenHido.com. Can they find you on Instagram?
1: Can they Yep, at GretchenHido is my Instagram handle, Facebook at Gretchen Heido there as well.
0: Right. So everybody needs to go follow her, go buy her book, go check her out. She is amazing. And I will make sure that all the links are available everywhere. Go, you know, do all of her stuff because Gretchen is the bomb. All right. So go and do everything that she says to do, buy her book. And I know that she will be so helpful for you. And I hope that your book is a smashing success. So thank you, Gretchen, for being on the show. You are fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening.